If you turn to the Gospel of John, the 8th chapter, we'll pick up in verse 31. And this next contrast that Jesus now is going to present, remember he's just presented this matter of life or death message. He's still in the temple treasury. He's still in the temple compound itself, if you will. Uh, he, he is preaching a message, in essence, to a group of people that contains believers and unbelievers. So there's people there that have believed on him, and there are people that have definitely not believed on him. And he's now going to present this incredible contrast uh, of bondage and freedom. And he's going to speak these words to a group of people who thought they knew the truth, um, who, in essence, were relying on what they believed they knew. And it is very much like our world today. And so as we pick up here in the 31st verse, we're going to see that Jesus is going to be speaking initially to those who believed in him, which is a vast majority of us today. But the people who are actually really looking for what Jesus is saying and how to attack it are those who did not believe. And so uh, I pray that if you're here today and you've not yet believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that today for you is the day of salvation. So would you pray with me? Father, we are so grateful for the incredible power that your word has to transform and change us. And we pray that as we read these words, which you authored by the Holy Spirit through the Apostle John, would come off of these pages and pierce right into our hearts. Lord, we are so grateful for the power of your word to change us. Help us, Lord, to receive it with gladness. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 31 here in John chapter 8 as we continue uh, here in the 8th chapter. And then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, So he he begins with a a group of believers, uh, Christians, if you will, those who have heard his word and and believed in it. And then he says to them, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And now I want to make it really clear here that he's not suggesting that one becomes a child of God by doing anything. He's not suggesting that your works are, are a necessity for salvation, but he is saying that if you are a child of God, then you will, notice the word abide there, live in, dwell in, set up home in, be found in God's word being truth and active in your life. In other words, the very thing that James would write, faith without works is dead. And in fact, he would go on to say that I will show you my faith by my works. In other words, if you are a child of God, then the way you live your life should testify to the Word of God. It should not testify to the fact that you're a child of the devil, which is what he's going to say to these guys next. That is a tough thing. It's a hard saying. He's going he's to make a very clear distinction In the two types of DNA, one of the heavenly father and one of the enemy of your soul, Satan himself. And notice what he goes on now to say. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. He's leaving no doubt about what he's getting at here. And unfortunately, we live in a world that likes to debate what truth is. 
We live in a world that believes that truth is, in essence, whatever you believe it to be. And yet God's Word does not and will not allow us to have that position with regard to the Word itself. The Word is truth, and anything that disagrees with the Word is thereby not true. So if someone comes to you and says, you know, I just got a new word from the Lord, and I can live with my girlfriend, whom I'm not married to, and God has actually approved of our physical relationship before marriage, you can look right at that person and say, that wasn't God you heard from. It's not true. Why? Because God's Word plainly declares that having sexual relationship with anybody that you're not married to is sin, and thereby it cannot both be sin and okay with God. So you have a problem with God. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples. Indeed, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free from other things that are not truth. They're lies, sinful behavior. Notice how he goes on now, and and the question is going to come, and they answered him, and this is a new they. You have Jesus speaking to believers, but those who are listening who are not believers are going to now get engaged in the conversation. And they answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone, so how can you say you will be made free? Now I want you to stop for just a second And hear these words from the perspective in which they were spoken by those who spoke them. These are people who have not believed that Jesus is Messiah. They are Jewish. And they are now going to say to Jesus, we have never been in bondage. That is an absolute, outright, in-your-face lie. It's not true. Because if any people on the face of the earth had ever been in more bondage than the Jewish people, I don't personally know who they are. They had been taken captive by seven successive ruling peoples. And in fact, the ten northern tribes were nearly completely wiped out by the Assyrians. The two southern tribes were then taken into captivity and sent to Babylon. And in fact, the day and time when these words were spoken, they were under the iron heel of Rome. They were absolutely in bondage. And they had been in bondage ever since they came into the promised land. It gives you an idea of how deceived we can be when we start to believe our own lies. From their perspective, they'd never been in bondage. But the truth was, they had almost always been in bondage, and at that moment in time, still were in bondage. And the only place that they could actually be in Jerusalem was where they were currently standing, the Temple Mount. The rest of it ruled by Rome. But they're saying, oh, we're not in bondage. Can I tell you I hear this same story every day? And it's not about Rome. I'm not in bondage. I can quit drinking anytime I want. I'm not in bondage. I, you know, I don't have to look at this pornography. I, I'm not in bondage. I only toke occasionally. 
for medicinal purposes. I'm not in bondage. I can quit stealing stuff anytime I want. You know the crazy thing is? The people who say those things also believe their own lies. No, they're not going to quit. The enemy has a grasp on them, and the proof of it is they are walking in sin, in darkness. Now, Jesus treats this very seriously. And so let's us today treat this passage with the seriousness with which the Holy Spirit authored it as John wrote these words, recorded primarily from the lips of Jesus. Verse 34, And Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Now again, who said it? Jesus he says, the person that's actively engaged in sin is actually a slave to sin. And the slave does not abide in the house forever, but the son abides forever. It's an issue of DNA, family. If you're a son, you don't live in sin. If you're a daughter, you don't live in sin. If you actually know the Lord, you don't live in sin. And if you do live in sin, then it might well be that you are not an actual son or a daughter. Now, some of you are going, I can't believe he just said that. Now, before you mistake what I just said, I did not say you got saved by works. What I did say was that if you're actually a child of God then your life will change and you will not willingly, repeatedly, continually, without remorse, without regret, walk in things that are contrary to God's word. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Behold, old things are passing actively away and all things are becoming new. In other words, the new you is also a changed you. It's not the old you with a whole lot of makeup on it. You know what I'm saying. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Not kind of, sort of, every once in a while, okay, but actually changed and transformed and freed from the bondage of that sin that kept you previously. In other words, you're supposed to be terrible at sinning. You should not be getting better at describing your sinful behavior as you grow in Christ. Those two things are contrary to one another. You should actually be less sinful as you mature in Christ Jesus. Not better at hiding it. I know that you are Abraham's descendants. He's saying, if you're Abraham's descendants, you kind of ought to know who I am. For you search the scriptures, remember what he's already said, for you think that in them you have life, but they are these who speak of me. But you seek to kill me. Why? Because my word has no place in you. Brothers and sisters, family, you need to love God's Word. You need to have a heart for God's Word. God's Word, as a child of God, should have preeminence in your life as a believer. 
If you don't like God's Word, there's something wrong with your relationship with God. And you need to be concerned about that. I am fearful when people come to me and they walk in my office and they say, well, I know the Bible says, and the next word is B-U-T, but... And then they name the passage that doesn't apply to them. That is a very scary place to be because that makes you the arbiter of truth. That means that you think you have a line to God that has freed you from what everyone else has responsibility for. Which is he has spoken in his word that something is true and you've said, except when it comes to me. Don't let that be you. Because it's a lie from the pit of hell. It's not true. If God's Word says it, we are to believe it. And as the bumper sticker says, that should settle it. Amen? I speak what I have seen with my Father. And you do what you have seen with your Father. Now, I want you to track this because it's super important. He's basically saying, look, you're one of two fathers. In other words, he's saying, who's your daddy? He's he's literally making them think, okay, what's he getting at here, this whole father thing? Because they're thinking we're a father Abraham, and because we're a father Abraham, we've got to be okay. Descended from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we're good with God. If there's anybody on earth, it's got to be us. And he's saying, mm-mm, that's not exactly what I'm getting at here. And they answered and said, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. What were the works of Abraham? Anybody know what Hebrews 11 is called? It's the hall of faith, is it not? By faith, Abraham. The works of Abraham actually from God's perspective were that he trusted God. He believed God and he did what God told him to do. As imperfectly as he may have done that because he had a couple of issues. Abraham had some issues. She's not, this is not my wife. No, this is my sister. He told a few lies. Abraham wasn't always perfect in his application of truth, but he was a man of faith, and every time he returned back to God was right and I'm wrong. That's the key. God is right, and if you disagree with what God has said, you are wrong. I know that's a novel idea in our society, but we can actually be wrong. You may not actually be right. What you think might actually be wrong, and let me tell you how you can determine whether you're right or wrong. If you disagree with what God's Word plainly says, you are wrong. You're wrong. You're not right. You're absolutely, 100% of the time, wrong when you disagree with the plain teaching of God's Word. So if you think God's given you a pass on some issue, some behavioral thing, 
Our, our new thing here in our state is, well, you know, I have, a, I have a medical marijuana card, so I can smoke all I want. Well, no, really, that's not what the Bible says. Because it says that drunkenness, which leads to dissipation, is a sin. You ought to focus in on what it actually says there. In other words, anything that alters your mind is not okay with God. So if your mind is getting altered for the purpose of altering it, you have a problem with God. You don't have a problem with me. Light them up. Go do whatever you want to do. But you do have a problem with God. And you know why I just said what I said? Because that's what people are thinking. They're waiting for you to agree with them. They want you to give them a pass. They want you to be the one that validates that what they want the word to say, it says. And so if they can just talk to enough people who will agree with them, somehow the Bible is no longer true in that instance, and you can just do whatever you want. Brothers and sisters, we need to be careful. Because we live in a day and time where this is the prevailing thought process that exists in much of the church. Well, we'll just make the Bible say what we want it to say. We don't like that passage, we'll just pull it out. What is Jesus? How does Jesus respond? You seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds. Notice it again. He attacks their heritage. Your father. They said to him, We're not born of fornication. I mean, Jesus is under their skin. He's in, his, in their grill. I mean, he's like in their face. Sorry, but that's what Jesus is saying here. We're not born of fornication. We have one father, God. And Jesus says to them, now notice this. These are Jewish religious rulers. They're leaders of the Jewish people who think they have the one direct path to God. If, you, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my, notice it again, word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Who is that? Jesus. Jesus is the word. What he spoke was truth. He, he's saying, look guys, you got an issue. And now he uses, this is the most friendly verse in the entire New Testament. You are of your father, the devil. I don't suggest that you say that to everyone that you meet. (laughs) But it worked here with these guys. Because he's trying to tell them, look, you've got an issue. You think you have the right father, but you don't. Because you disagree with the word. The word is speaking to you, and you don't want to hear the word. When the word is speaking to you, you need to hear the word. Honestly, I couldn't care less if you agree with me specifically, but I definitely, absolutely, 100% of the time, want you to believe what God's Word says. Because what it says is true. God didn't make mistakes. He didn't place an Old Testament 
thinking onto a New Testament people. What it says in the Old Testament is verified in the New. And what he says in the New is applicable for us today. Even though it was written 2,000 years ago, his word is truth. The desires of your father you want to do. And he was a murderer from the beginning. Does not stand, notice this, in the truth. Because there is no, get it again, truth in him. Do you see the issue? The word is truth. They wouldn't walk in the word. They wouldn't hear the word. They would not walk in truth. They wanted to have it their own way. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. In other words, he doesn't have to go very far to get the answer. He's already got it. Why? Because he's the father of all lies. Every last thing that isn't true has come from Satan himself. It's the easiest way to understand that passage. If it's not true, you can pretty much rest assured that behind it somewhere is something that will go all the way back to Satan himself. Let me prove it to you. What is the first thing that Satan does to Eve? He lies to her. Has God surely said? I mean, come on. Here's the real deal. God knows that the moment you eat of that fruit that you're going to become just like Him and He does not want competition. Satan's a liar. And he tries to get people to agree with him. He says, look, you're not in trouble with God. There's no such thing as truth, in fact. Truth is what you think it is. He's a liar and the father of it. Because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Remember, he's attacking who is their father. And the issue is the word of God and truth. He who hears Here's, he who is of God hears God's word, words, and therefore you do not hear because you are not of God. Ow. Well, let me just pull a few things out in the remaining time. What's truth? We live in a day and time like no other time, I believe, in human history when the very essence of truth is debated. What is it? Look, I I can't tell you about all the little tidbits, pieces, and parts here in our world, but I can tell you whatever the Bible says, that's truth. So if God's got an opinion on it, and He's spoken about it, and it's in His Word, that is our opinion as believers. And and where this comes into view is, is in our culture. It comes in our society. Basically, he's warning them. He said, look, obedience to the word is is one of the chief proofs, if not the chief proof, that you're actually one of God's kids. You do the work of the Father. You walk in the word. You listen to what God's word says, and then that is how you live your life. Now, praise God, it's not based on perfection that brings us salvation. Amen? Amen. You've been saved by grace and through faith, and that not of yourself is good. Don't forget that part of it. But the result of you being a child of God and being saved by grace through faith 
is that your life actually begins to be transformed. In other words, you no longer walk the way you used to walk. And the things that you used to think were true, that God's Word says are not true, you now have a change of opinion in that area of life and living. You used to not know that going to a party every single day of the week and getting drunk out of your mind was an issue with God. But because God's Word says that that's not okay with Him, you now have a changed opinion resulting in a changed action. You may have not known that it was really not okay with God that you sleep with whomever you feel like sleeping with. God's Word is very clear on this issue. It's called fornication. If you're unmarried to another unmarried person, if you're married and it's anyone other than your spouse, it's called adultery. And if it's with anyone who's the same sex, it's always called homosexuality. So you got some issues according to our society, you see, because society says today, love is love. Not according to God. Not according to God. And so what we have the church doing is going, well, you know, I don't really know if it actually says that. I do. God meant what He said, said what He meant. He made it very clear that marriage is between a man and a woman. Not between two guys. Not between two women. It's not the same. And so we have an opinion that is directly in contrast to what the world is saying. I finally, and I'm an Olympics junkie, I finally had to just stop watching the Olympics. And I want to make this very clear to you. I could not watch someone so lost as Johnny Weir. I'd turn the TV on, it's just like my heart would break for him. And the world's just praising it. It's like it's the best thing that ever happened to the Olympic Games. That we now have someone who's lost in the sin of homosexuality, flaunting it every second of the coverage of the Olympics. Not because I hate Johnny Weir. My heart breaks for him because he's lost. But I can guarantee you if I just said what I just said on national TV, I'd probably go to jail. My Bible says that's sin. So I can't be on that bandwagon that says, well, love is love. It's not. That may be eros. Might even be phileo. But it is not agape. It's not the love that I see in my Bible. And it's not the definition of marriage that's found there because God presided over the first one. So we have an opinion as believers that stands on the truth of God's Word. And that's where we have to stand. Family, it's so important. Look, if we won't speak the truth, do you think the enemy's going to tell the truth? The answer is no. 
when the church ceases to be a bastion of truth, we have lost our savor. We are no longer salt and light. Matter of fact, we might start becoming part of the problem because we'll confuse people. You can't be trusting in dead religion. I've talked to so many... You can buy an ordination certificate on the internet. You can purport yourself to be a biblical scholar. I had a guy come into my office a couple of weeks ago, absolutely settled on the fact that Jesus was Chinese. He saw some program on the Discovery Channel, to all my Chinese brothers and sisters out there, praise the Lord. But look, my Bible says he was born in Bethlehem of Judea, not in Beijing. So, so it's, okay, we can sit around and talk about it. Well, he's, no, he, that's crazy talk. So we're going to sit around and say, well, you know, we don't really know. Yes, we know. He was born in Bethlehem. He was a Jew. Raised by Jewish parents. You see, we, because we want to get along with it, well, you know, maybe. And here's where this went. Well, you know, and then he went and talked to Muhammad. And that's why so many of the things in the Quran are exactly the same as is in the Bible. And, the, and on and on, and before you know it, all roads lead to heaven. And Jesus just said, this is a matter of life and death that you believe in me. Do you see how slippery the slope actually can get? You want to be friends. You want to be kind. And honestly, I was. It was like I was, I was almost, it was like I was dumbfounded, taken aback. It's like, really? Yeah, that's what, the, I still haven't even found the show. He said I could find it on the internet. I'm kind of thinking maybe he produced it himself. <laughs> we can't trust in anything except the truth of God's Word. This problem is so alive, it's alive in liberal theology. People make up their own truth. Now, when people come, we we go to God's Word here in this church. We prefer not to use the term counseling because it's misleading. We do biblical instruction. When you come here for counseling, you're going to get biblical instruction. Because thy word, O Lord, is truth. So we'll go to the word. We'll see what the word has to say about it. Because I know I can't mislead you if I simply tell you the truth of what God's word says about some subject that you may be struggling with. What a contrast this is. But it's the contrast between heaven and hell and dark and light. It's the contrast between saved and unsaved. why Jesus emphasizes the word, the truth. It's personal faith. It's the very thing that Galatians chapter 3 presents to those who are struggling with wanting to be Jewish and being a believer, kind of combining the two things. And we'll go back to the law. So Paul says, look, it was just as Abraham had it accounted unto him as righteousness. And Paul, a Jew, says it is only those who are justified by faith that are the true sons of Abraham. Jesus is saying the same thing. Their spiritual DNA in that sense was determined by who was their father. Praise God, when you say yes to Jesus, you are receiving heavenly DNA. 
You're adopted. You're now brought into the family, and you were made like Christ in that sense. By God's grace, which is imparted to you, that righteousness that comes from being found in Christ is now yours. And so in that sense, it's only in God's word that we have that truth. Notice what it says here in the 32nd verse. The truth shall, will set you free. You know what? Telling somebody there's, there's an amount of alcohol that is okay. That doesn't set people free. It may not inherently lead them into sinful behavior, but it sets them on a path that's leading towards destruction. You see, but people want to say, well, you know, you can't really... Yes, I can actually say that it would be best if you did not drink at all. Because you know what? You'll never have to worry about getting drunk if you don't drink at all. So when someone asks me, what is my opinion? Well, I think the safest route is to not go down that road. Well, you know, that's a legalist. No, I'm not being a legalist at all. If I could tell you that never eating bacon again would keep you from getting cancer, how many of you would eat bacon? None of you. You'd do without bacon wrapped on your filet. You would not have bacon on your shrimp. There'd be no bacon on your breakfast plate. There'd be no bacon, period, because you wouldn't risk getting cancer. Right? So I think so. Otherwise, your brain cells are not functioning quite right. That's my point. So when I know God's direction leads one way, I'm not going to send you the other way to see if you can make it. I'm going to tell you the truth from the get-go. It is truth that sets people free. You see, we can tell our kids, well, I did that too. In Jesus' name, strike that from your memory banks. Do not ever tell your children it's okay because you did that too. There's all kinds of things that we have done that yes, we can identify with the fact, well, you know, I did that too. But we should be going, and that's exactly why I don't want you to do it. Not, well, you'll figure it out later. You know, a hand grenade is safe while the pen's still in it. You're not going to hand your kids, well, here's a hand grenade, figure it out. Why? Because they might just pull the pen. It's like, what's this lever thing over here? Ooh, that flew off. You see, my point is this. God's Word is truth. And if we know that God's Word is leading us in a specific direction, that's the direction we should always go. We should not ever deviate from it. So Jesus says, look, you can spot Satan's kids. And here's how. They reject the truth. You can spot them. Now, I'm not saying to you that every person who ever has a problem with any sinful behavior is not saved. I'm not saying that at all. Neither was Jesus. But when you don't love the truth, when you have no care for the truth, when you hear the truth and you say, I don't want any part of it, you have an issue with God. And that's a dangerous place to be. And it could very well be that ultimately the result is you are not one of God's kids. So, Don't reject the truth, is what I'm saying. 
It does apply to you. It will always apply to you and everyone else who names the name of Jesus. They're going to attempt to kill Jesus. They're going to deny everything he says. They didn't love the word. They hated the word. The word speaking to them. They're like, we're going to kill you. Can I tell you that I've had a lot of people tell me they stopped reading their Bible because they didn't like what it said? They didn't want to hear it anymore. I've actually had people, well, you know, if I don't read it, I won't be convicted. Now we laugh for a second. Do you realize how tragic that is? Why? Because it's true. That's exactly what the enemy wants. Wants you to take your Bible, put it on a shelf someplace, and never read it again. Here in this church, you need a Bible. You need to bring your Bible every time you come to church. And when you bring your Bible and come to church, mark up your Bible, and then go home and read your Bible some more. If you don't remember a word I said, read your Bible. The reason they didn't understand that truth is they rejected it because that was the work of the Spirit. I want to leave you with this because I want to leave you with some hope. God's Word is absolutely true. And because it's absolutely true, you have been saved by grace and through faith, and that not of yourself, it's a gift of God. Amen? But it's also true that you're going to show everyone, the world included, your new position in Christ by how you live your life. That's also true. Those are not competing truths. They're both true. So what should happen is that grace that you have received should result in a grace-filled life. A life that looks a whole lot like what your Bible describes. Loving and kind and gentle and as sin-free as possible. And when you do stumble and when you do bruise your toe and when you do trip over something and you end up in a place you shouldn't go, you immediately recognize that and say, Lord, I'm so sorry. That's what grace does. Grace is ready to forgive in a moment's notice for if you will confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But you want to love the truth. You want to walk around going, Lord, show me some more truth. Don't let me walk believing that I'm okay in this lie that I've been telling myself so I'll feel better about it. Because that will bring you bondage to sin. And if you walk in that bondage long enough, as probably almost anyone in this room, if you walk with the Lord for any period of time, you are already delivered from some kind of bondage. Amen? That's why the Apostle Paul said, don't go back to it. Who entangles himself again in the affairs of this life? Having been delivered for it's a whole bunch tougher the next time. That's why repetitive sin eats away at your soul. It corrodes the very person you are in Christ Jesus. And eventually you can't even tell who you're supposed to be because you've got a foot in both places. That's no way for a Christian to believe. There's no way for us to live. It's no way for us to act. And so the shortest path to that is just believe what God's Word says and do it. 
You don't have to debate these things with the world. You can just simply say, look, God's Word says it. I'm okay with that. And that sets us free. All these things that we struggle with as a society, fairly easily solved if we would just do exactly what God's Word says. There'd be zero abortions if we did what God's Word says. There'd be no unwanted children if we did what God's Word says. Nobody would be shot and murdered if we just did what God says. We wouldn't have rampant drug addiction if we just simply did what God's Word says. And on and on and on and on and on because we'd be loving one another and caring for one another. We would not be letting someone get into those things in the first place, much less trying to profit from them. God's Word is truth. And you can trust it. That's why he says, if you abide in my word, you are indeed my disciples. Amen? Would you stand and we'll pray together? I know this passage is difficult. It's, 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 it's a tough one. This whole section is tough. But it's only tough on the disobedient. It's an encouragement to those who are walking with the Lord. It's like, yes and amen. Because he who the Son has set free is free indeed, amen? So we're no longer in bondage to those things that used to have a grip on us. Praise the Lord for that. In this room, there's a whole lot of washed-up, has-been sinners, amen? I'm just not any good at it anymore. I can ruin every party. It's like, sorry, I'm not interested. Why? The grace of God. And that same grace is available for you today. Maybe you don't know the Lord Jesus, but you want to. I want to encourage you. Our, our prayer team is, is in the prayer room. They are, they are waiting for you right now to share the truth of the gospel with you. Maybe you're caught up in something. And you can say right now, Amen, Pastor Jeff. You know what? I'm in bondage to this this behavior, this thing that's got a grip on me. And you're just sick of it. You're tired of it. Can I tell you right now, Jesus wants to set you free. He wants to set you free. Whatever it is. He already knows it. And here's the awesome thing. He loves you in spite of the fact that you're in bondage to that sin. So go and be prayed for, prayed with. Leave it here. Walk out of this place free indeed. Amen? Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for sending Jesus into this world. Because without him, we would still be dead. We would still be lost. We'd still be in bondage. But you have set us free, and we are free indeed. Lord, help us to to live lives that shout that. Lord, from every mountaintop. Lord, we love you. We bless you. We thank you for setting us free from the bondage of sin and death and pray that you'd help us to walk in it. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.